Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Daddy, the strange man in my room wants to abduct me and take me. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 606, Inescapable, is brought to you by Nightmare Ballerina Music Box. Cocaine or unicorn tears not included. Pete, this was quite the journey for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and indeed quite the podcast journey ahead of us. We have some Jessica Joneses coming up in the upcoming week or the end of this week. It depends whether you want to put Sunday at the end or the beginning. It kind of loops around. It's very timey-wimey. Uh, we also have, of course, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to talk about. Uh, then next week, Pete, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, are there multiple universes? Is that all a, 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 a cruel hoax? No man can say, but we will find out July 2nd. This, as we are bringing you our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast immediately after this episode has aired. Indeed, Pete, let's get right to it. When we catch you up on what went down, the teaser, Simmons on a light-up white floor, gasps, camera pans over to Fitz, who is also now sitting up. How are they there? Well, it's not entirely clear to begin with, Pete. There's some recap of future Simmons. We get uh, Atara there. She recaps her Chromicon-ness. Uh, also, the need to time travel back to fix Chronica 2. Fitz says, very impressively, it's against the law. Beat, beat. Of physics. Simmons says that a paradox could ensue. Uh, this is when, Pete, we get it made clear by Atara that all memories here can be shared on this deck of holographic display. I'm kind of putting words in Atara's mouth there. Some sort of hollow deck that they are on. But this one is totally unique and different, Pete, because it's round and white as opposed to the cubish and black one on Star Trek The Next Generation. Not only memories, but all their knowledge shared. And like that, Atara is gone. They are alone. Uh, the universe can't stop them, Matt. They've been to the bottom of the Atlantic. They've crossed the galaxy on more than one occasion. They are unstoppable. Wait, this very sentiment is repeated in the last scene that the two of them share. Pete. Ah, the shapes of this episode. Uh, indeed, Pete, them being unstoppable. Simmons is uh, is happy to spend time there. She doesn't give a damn about escaping. Pete, what else gets covered that makes our hearts go pitter-patter? Well, of course, we get a re-proposal, which winds up having resonance throughout this episode. We do. Some time passes. It's tea time. Uh unseen prior events now get recapped so that's that's some new stuff for we the audience watching it all sounds very exciting these things that we're not going to see uh specifically though fitz i think he realizes pete time to get this plot back on track he wants to hear about the end of her story about the monolith luckily the expositional hollow room shares the monolith and he wants information and suddenly pete Talking about time loops, you know, we've talked about the social media sensation, uh, uh, Kid Colson. All of a sudden, there's Kid Simmons. Pete, who's going to cosplay as Kid Simmons at SDCC this year? 
I'm not the one with a daughter, Matt. Uh, we see Kid Simmons, that's age seven, crawl into her childhood bedroom, and uh, Fitz follows. He wonders if their minds are the prison. Cut to Atara and Enoch watching outside of the mind prison, watching the Fitzsimmons bodies. What can two minds do as we head to the title card? Act two with Fitz consoling Simmons in her childhood bedroom here. She's not afraid. She's just observing. She's going to be a scientist. Pete, I know that when our pals in the UK, uh, particularly Ian, hear this, they're going to say, what? Have you added a third person to the podcast? No, that was Pete doing a flawless British accent. Uh, Simmons talks about cuttlefish and chromatoforms. She doesn't know who this guy is, which perhaps adds to the weirdness of the scene a bit, but we're in a very kind of abstract place here. She wants story time, and it's a book. Why, Pete, that's a familiar-looking book. It is. Though it is about a prince and a science-loving princess, it is bound in the Darkhold, which, uh, that's a bad book. That's a bad story. Very poorly written. Uh, with that, they go back to the not holodeck room. Uh, Atara says Kid Simmons and Fitz need to figure their own way out. On the real ship, Atara is told by Enoch that using this machine is risky. It could damage these humans. Uh, Atara says, of course, this has been a huge help to the robotic-like chroma katans. Uh, but Enoch notes that human problems, emotional problems, are unique. And uh, Fitz would call this the absolute worst. Cut to the hollow room where Fitz calls what's going on the absolute worst. You see, Supreme Pete, it's mirrored. Absolute worst that uh and simmons calls him a butt face yes this amidst all sorts of yelling and acting uh fitz wonders if he uh perhaps should instead talk to someone else maybe an lmd like ada the implication being hey simmons i will make you jealous of another woman that in fact make in fact makes simmons jealous of another woman and brings adult simmons back but they keep yelling Yes, and then we have um, the discussion here, Mac, uh, that he's home, and suddenly this memory that Simmons does not want replayed. Yes, Mac has the body. Pete, I feel like the audience might be slightly ahead of the scene here and that we know what's about to happen, though we have not seen it before. In our minds, Pete, we have, we have already watched this scene. Uh, Simmons is eager to explain, but she, uh, Fitz follows hollow Mac into the hollow shield base. Everything's better when you put hollow in front of it. Our agents of shield are crying. They're hugging. It's a very ghost of Christmas yet to come moment. I think Charles Dickens would be very proud of episode writer DJ Doyle. Uh, Fitz sees that the body is in fact, and a shocking reveal to end the act, his own Pete. Act three, he's panting. He zips the bag back up. How is that even possible? But Simmons had warned him of all sorts of paradoxes. This is one of them. There was a loop at the end of the world, and he died to help break it. Uh, but the discussion centers on moving heaven and earth to bring bits back and may 
Hollow May tells us, Matt, that she knows a director who would do just that. And then we get the rather painful catch up uh, between Daisy and Simmons there. The ring. What? You and I? I've proposed before. He's missed his own wedding, but it's a miracle. He's survived, but there's more death than this. And like that, Matt, Coulson lives. Yes. Clark Gregg is Agent Coulson in this episode. Uh, he is dying but needs to have his goodbye to Fitz. Coulson wants them out there searching for the other Fitz. Uh, Simmons relives the moment of Yo-Yo staying on the base because he, Mac, will need her. It reminds Simmons of the same situation with college Fitz being visited by college Simmons. He needed help with the problem. He needed a sounding board. He remembers this as the first night that he relaxed around her. She remembers it as the night that she friend-zoned him. His mind at the moment is overflowing due to all this expositional recap that he's been given. They need to take control of time. And like that, Simmons is trying to get Fitz to slow down. His mind has been through a lot. He had a pretty bad mental break when he got back from the framework and then like that it dawns on her that he has been trapped inside Fitz's mind and now they're trapped inside with him and we hear the marching Matt I think in an alternative cut they might have played the Imperial March you know keeping it all inside the Disney Empire uh, but Leopold is coming yes pete the make hydra great again guy has returned uh leopold has hydra start shooting at our two heroes they escape into kid simmons's bedroom with that the jewelry box shakes and shakes and shakes it opens it's got a ballerina and then there's a nightmare scary lady that later on in the episode we can refer to as interchangeably ghost simmons or simmons monster and that pete ends the act Act four begins with Gold Simmons trying to stab Fitz. Uh, Yes, it turns out that this is courtesy of her putting all her non-English feelings into a box. Things like fear, concern of monsters, disappointments, etc. It's all led to this Ringu personification, if you will. Uh, Our two heroes fall into the lighthouse bunker and flash back. To their first shield meeting with agent colson pete this is where i sat up and said hey a lot of this has been kind of recap or like oh fitz and simmons met for the first day okay now all of a sudden we have colson here again clark Gregg is agent colson colson thought that they were one person at least at one point he did uh the powers that be were so impressed by some of their their fueling abilities, their fueling tech that they have recommended Fitzsimmons to Coulson's team, a field team, Pete. Yes, the field, however, is not for everyone. Simmons uh, believes this promotion is an honor. Fitz wants to discuss it, um, but they will see lives change, Coulson tells them, and they will be the ones most changed by it. Before 
of course, uh, Gold Simmons Ringu Monster gives chase again. Yes, and they are chased in subjectively interesting camera moves. Uh, meanwhile, the, well, they get separated. And then meanwhile, during the separation, Simmons is captured by Leopold. Uh, she gets put into a brain scan slash torture machine that's going to read her memories and hollow her out. Uh, and that is intercut with the Simmons monster catching Fitz to end the act. Enoch reminds them as Act 5 begins here uh, that they are uh, at war with themselves, but Atara uh, doesn't care. Um, and Malachi, in the only line of dialogue uh, he has in this episode, tells Enoch not to interfere. In the sim, Simmons is given a leather strap to bite on. She says no uh, without the mind probe starts. Meanwhile, Ghost Simmons is about to cut open Fitz. Uh, she, in fact, does. I think they probably cut more gory stuff and then edited around it. She rips out his heart. Doesn't it belong to her? Wait a minute, Pete. Fitz and Simmons are both in pain. They can overcome this together, and they have friends. We get some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Pete. Yes, Mac saves Fitz. Quake saves Simmons. Uh, she called for backup. Yes, she did. Uh, Mac helps Turbo up before Ringu Monster bites him and Fitz runs off. And they wind up, Matt, I don't know how they did this, in the containment pod. It's almost like a series of existing sets got used to bottle our characters in this episode that one could maybe just nickname a bottle episode uh but there they are pete they're in the containment box they yell then they yell a whole lot more they talk about being saved in a series of crazy tv adventures not that they know that they're on tv mind you but uh they mentioned last one of the first situations which was uh being saved at the bottom of the ocean with that the containment box starts to leak and they continue to yell at each other and end up yelling about how much they love each other. This while the box is being circled by Monster Simmons and Leopold. Monster Simmons with the shotgun axe, it should be noted as well. And Leopold tells uh, that incarnation of Simmons, don't even think about getting in the way. Uh, but their love professed, Matt, the water stops. They're exhausted. They're going to have to face those things out there. But wait, Matt, I have just typed it in my screenwriting software. They are unstoppable. I see what you're doing, Pete. You're circling back there. By the way, let's not be too down on this episode. Did you know, Pete, that it makes a reference to good old Bill Shakespeare. It does indeed. Uh, Pete, would you say that uh, Monster Simmons is a beast? I mean, a, a beast as far as uh, her unrelenting need to chop fits into bits. Sure. Would you say that Leopold is a beast? With his black heart and alt-right soul? Absolutely. Well, when Fitz and Simmons step out of the containment box, they see that Monster Simmons and Leopold 
are feeling lust for each other and then they fall out of frame pete the one beast the other beast that's when they are the beast making the beast with two backs and we are all kind of bemused i suppose i uh, suppose back in the hollow room our fitzsimmons they're in love totally fitz reinforces that time travel is a nasty business simmons is ready for them to be in prison together atara appears and says in fact they won't be together and blah, 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 beep wait pete i remember that <laughs> from a prior episode this season yes uh we cut outside the machine where enoch has taken bold action they must go he uses the totally not the Tron device uh, again inside the Disney Empire, all rights reserved to create a portal, tells them to embrace him as they step inside. Simmons uh, remembers, oh, yeah, I almost forgot. Uh, Fitz, you're a grandfather now. Bloody hell. In the tag scene, Mac is looking at the wanted poster for Fitz. He's relieved the turbo is okay, albeit in space prison. Everything's cooler with space in front of it. Uh, however, Mac says that he can't send Daisy to save them now because the Chronicom threat, the ones who did it, are here. And there's a hilarious moment where they're stepping on each other's lines. And Pete, the episode ends with Daisy saying, okay. More than okay, Matt, you might say A-okay are the good people of Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek that keep the Fantastic Geek 1 up and running. Indeed, Pete. When we are being chased by ghostly versions of ourselves, it's our patrons that we call on for help. They make sure that things are running A-okay and we're able to create those round portal things that transport us off of Chronicom ships, etc., or whatever the metaphor is. So big thanks to those who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek to help lend their support, keep the podcast going, keep it sustainable, keep that back catalog up there, all made possible by that help. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Pete, let's start with the arch-villain of this episode that is, of course, Atara, who uh, is the one who's put them in this mind prison. Well, Matt, with her single-minded quest here to extrapolate the secret of time travel, not yet developed from Fitz's mind, linking him with Simmons, uh, certainly a dastardly approach. We also have the return of Leopold, that uh, you know, that that Hydra villain, and uh, I have to say, Pete, for all the elements that were whirling and swirling in this episode, you know, obviously the character was easy enough for uh, you know for, for the actor to portray, but the the beard looked pretty good, the hair yeah. looked pretty good. I don't know whether it was a wig or this or that, but it was a it was a good moment, a good tie back to these prior seasons. The decision to use multiple versions of um, Fitz and Simmons, both characters we've seen before, and then with Gemma, you know, the, the seven-year-old uh, incarnation, is certainly an interesting one. Um, and then when you think of how they depicted Fitz, you know, as Leopold with the beard, that cool uh, calculating demeanor as dorky shield academy uh disheveled curly hair 
uh, fits. Um, but it's in Leopold, the, the one we've only ever been able to fear and, and feel nothing else for. And the repeated mentions of Ada, I thought for a minute when the, when the music box opened up, that's who was going to come out. If only this bottle episode would allow that. But instead, Pete, we have, we have the Simmons monster. We have the Ringu creature. I dare say a little visual effects work at the, uh, the act end when she leaps towards the camera. Uh, certainly a villainous sight and played with gleeful zeal in all the bloody-handed creeping that she does. Obviously, the gold uh, face paint, a callback to season five at the space lighthouse in the future when she was a slave, but uh, a villainous and scary presence nonetheless. Pete, also a threat, albeit perhaps at the lower level, is uh, Malachi, who, as you mentioned, just has the one line, but he carries a big gun. I think you need to be wary when you are largely uh, a, a actor who does not speak lines when you get one line in an episode and then you get dropped immediately after that. Will he be back? Won't he? I'm going to have to see. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Pete, will this be the last episode in which Clark Gregg plays Agent Coulson, barring, of course, his miraculous memory return or something with Sarge? Maybe, definitely, probably not. Matt, we're told, I'm not quite sure how it's definitively been spelled out for us, that Sarge and company were the ones who destroyed Chronica 2 because Mac has seen it. Well, we are, but my understanding from last week's episode was they come to stem the tide of the bat parasite things and sometimes they are less successful and the world gets destroyed or they destroy the world because now it's a goner. Um, which I don't want to underplay the the tragedy of that, but it's kind of like, oh no, they knocked down the house, which is on fire because it's unsalvageable. That's kind of where I was mentally in my understanding of them last week. Now this week, they are the purveyors of doom. Uh, so I feel like in an episode that has a lot of um, kind of expositional backstory recap, Maybe we get a little bit of that in next week's episode just to kind of catch we, the audience, up to speed as to the exact villainy of Sarge and company. The biofuel that Fitzsimmons developed that caught the eye of S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy and, of course, of him made them um, viable members for his team is a curious insertion, Matt. Will that somehow matter towards our story now i don't know but i had wondered perhaps the opposite that maybe there was some sort of uh, nagging thread of oh man in uh you know the winter soldier the you know there isn't this technology but then for the show there ends up being this technology oh it'll be the behind the scenes fitzsimmons or the the ones that uh the pioneered it it certainly was it certainly was a line that was included intentionally. I don't mean to suggest, you know, like, oh, other times they just throw whatever in there. But it was it was made to kind of catch the ear for some purpose. Matt, 
any fan of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. knows that the breakout characters of the show, Fitz and Simmons, were, of course, based on the Malloy brothers, the uh, Fighton Malloy brothers in the Ocean's Eleven movies, played, of course, by Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn. Um, but I want to propose here, Matt, that in season six, as they lovingly fight it out and scream at one another for a, a, much of this episode, that they were conceived not only as a, a digital to the analog of those other characters, but as uh, a mirror of the show's creators, Marissa Tancherone and Jed Wheaton. What I like about that theory is there's the possibility of it being both aspects that you reference there. Certainly the starting point can be, hey, we want to have cool characters like those guys from Ocean's Eleven. But characters have a way of growing sometimes on their own or seemingly on their own. And the fact that Fitzsimmons may have grown into uh, mirrors more of Tancheron and Whedon and less from the start point of uh, those two characters, Ocean's Eleven, I love it, and I think that's something that we should keep an eye on for the rest of the series. Transmissions. Let's check the wire. Pete, we ran our traditional Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, poll at the end of the episode. What did you think of tonight's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, one star, shut your shush. That got 4%. Two stars, mind prison. That got 5%. Three stars, field work. Got 10%. And Pete, a whopping 81% said four stars, go team go. I think that is uh, proof of how popular the Fitzsimmons combination is. They are exceedingly popular, Matt. The, the one thing I would kind of temper that reaction with is, you know, we're, we're middle of the season, 606 here. Obviously, we're building. Uh, I can't even talk about the preview because Matt will put his fingers in his ears and, and start to hum. But uh, there, there's more important episodes coming. We had to get this reunion. It was a novel way to handle the reunion and to work through all of the angst the two characters have had. And now we get ready for fresh angst. Pete, we also have a tweet from Andre Yeager. That's at Dr. Polo1983. Loved the way they had Gemma give Fitz the backstory of what happened in the past. Great way to do exposition without being tedious. It's true. And um, to be able to bring something like that into this show at this point, again, just the, the amount of backlog, the, the wealth of background to use. Well, Pete, we would love to hear what people are expecting from the second half of the season. Seven episodes to go with these six down, so roughly half. Uh, Pete, I didn't get double PhDs before I was 17. So regardless, Pete, how can people be in touch with you to talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., to talk Jessica Jones, to talk Spider-Man Far From Home, etc.? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, -E -E 10,534 followers. Can't be wrong. 
And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. Well, for those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back in the coming days to talk more Jessica Jones. Maybe also some other goodies along the way on that feed. Uh, But if you're here just for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we will be back next weekend to talk the next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Get back in your box! Thank you.